I know that we've been standing and sitting and standing and sitting all morning, but would you do me one more favor and stand up one more time, church, if you're able? I just, I believe in honoring the word of God uh, as we read it this morning, and um, I'm focusing on Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, but I want to read the whole first five verses, and so it's going to be on the screen, or if you have it, let's read this together. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much um, that you love us, God, that this word is living and active, and there's truth still to be gleaned from it. And um, I just pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts, the, the spirit that lives within us, that gave us breath in our lungs, that it would speak revelation to us, that you would change us from the inside out, more than just behavior modification, God, but really heart change. God, we... We don't want to waste time we've been given on, on trivial things. So God, really speak to us this morning, we pray. In this moment, I know that you can and you will. And so uh, speak to us personally and patiently in your name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I love, can I just say real quick that in this passage, in this sermon, there's two, peop- two groups of people there. There's the disciples of Jesus, those that are literally wanting to follow and learn what Jesus is asking, and then there's the crowds. And I believe the same two groups are here this morning. The crowds were just there checking it out, kind of curious. And if you're in that boat, welcome. We're excited you're here and curious about what does faith look like? Who is this Jesus? What does this faith life look like? And, and if you're a disciple and you're saying, I really want to follow Jesus more closely and dedicate my life there, that's awesome too. So it's, it's great to see in scripture even there's diversity. So we're excited for that this morning. Um, how many can remember the first time you got your license? Anyone remember the first time? Maybe you haven't yet and that's cool. So you have something you're excited for. Um, but I got my license when I was 17 years old and Man, was I excited. And on top of that, I got a, a really cool new-to-me car. And Alan, can you throw that up there? It was a Honda Civic Si, a 2000 Honda Civic Si. So it wasn't brand new, you know. But it had 200 horsepower. And as a 17-year-old young man full of testosterone, I, that was power. I would tear down the back roads of Klamath Falls going 100 miles an hour and just roaring, and, and it had a moonroof, so I knew that if I opened the moonroof, if I went over 100, it would start to whistle. And so that was, I found that out firsthand. It was incredible. You felt invincible. You had it there as a manual stick shift. You're going slamming gears here in the engine roar, and you're like, yes, this is it. This is awesome. Nothing can stop me except the sheriff that pulled me over the first week. Um, but... It was incredible, that amount of power, that amount of freedom just right there at my fingertips. And um, about a year later, I went to go visit my dad, my sister, and my brother in, in Bend, Oregon. And it was during the winter. 
And in Bend, they use uh, little red uh, lava rock to keep the traction on the roads to where you don't slip on the ice. But it was dry roads, and so they were everywhere. The, red, the roads are red, and, and I had my sister, my brother in my, in my car, and I just picked him up, and I decided I just wanted to show off. So I just began to take off through this neighborhood, going around these corners and doing all kinds of stupid stuff till I got around this corner, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a giant lifted Chevy pickup parked on the wrong side of the road, and I slammed on the brakes wanting to stop, and those red little rocks caused me to slide right into the tire of this big lifted Chevy pickup. And in that moment, my power was gone. It was done. And my dream, my life, if you will, turned into this. Still painful. Um, but can I just say that that's a lot like our lives there's incredible power that God has given us and gifts and talents and abilities but if we don't have those powers and those gifts under the proper authority and control it can be devastating it can wreck our lives and the lives of those around us very easily so I want to talk around the idea this morning that meekness is power under perfect control. Meekness is power under perfect control. The word meek in Matthew chapter 5 um, is translated strength under control. Strength under control in the Greek. And um, it's amazing, though. We, we kind of deal with this as a society. We still, even individually, I still struggle with the need to be under control, to control my finances, my time, my relationships, my emotions. Anyone with me that you kind of have control issues, right? We like to be in control and we don't like to submit that control. If you think about it, it's our natural tendency, tendencies as human beings to be rebellious. This country was founded by rebels, ones that wanted religious freedom, so we left, ones that didn't want taxes without representation, so we rebelled. It's in our DNA to be rebellious. It's in our sin nature. And so Jesus wants to encounter us with the truth that we have to have perfect authority in our lives. And he's the only perfect authority. He's the only control. So meekness is super important. And we'll get to that together. But um, we cannot afford to divorce ourselves from meekness. I know that it's not a popular path or opinion in our culture today. If you look at the whole sermon on the mountain, the Beatitudes in particular, you could almost quote the exact opposite of every statement with what the world has to say about that. If, if the world was saying this passage, it would say, blessed are the tough, those that dominate the competition, for they will inherit the earth. But God says, blessed are the meek, the gentle, the humble, for they will inherit the earth. So what does it mean to be gentle but still be powerful? So I, I want to talk about Three things today around that idea that meekness is power under perfect control. Um, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. That number one, you've been blessed with a need. You've been blessed with a need. We have a need for meekness. And, and, and it's beautiful because without it, we wouldn't have community. If you think about control and power, 
absolute power corrupts. It drives everything else away. No one wants to hang out with someone that just wants their way all the time, right? Have you ever hung out with someone? Maybe it's grade school, if you can think back. You know, elementary school, you have that guy that like always wants to play their game, and you're like, well, I don't want to play Foursquare for the hundredth time, okay? It's lame, okay? Soccer's my jam. Um, but <laughs> whatever it might be, no one likes to hang out with someone that, that is a control freak, in our, you know? And so we have a need for meekness. We have a need to be humble. We have a need to be gentle. Um, and we need to learn control and surrender in so many ways. You think about, you know, our time. Our time is the one thing that we can't create more of. We only have a set amount of time. And if we don't learn to control it, that's a very powerful thing. Then our lives are a mess, right? Controlling our time and walking in meekness when our time, our finances, a powerful tool. But out of control, very devastating. Our relationships, very beautiful thing. Um, in July, we're going to go through a sex and dating series with our students called Swipe Right, the power of life, the power and life, or the power and death, <laughs> the, <laughs> the life and death power of sex. Um, that sex is a very powerful tool, but in the wrong hands, it, without control, it's a very devastating thing. So you see the need for this God-given authority in our lives, our relationships, our marriages, our emotions. Anger is a powerful thing. Used correctly, a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. I didn't say that word right, so just don't even, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. Joy is a very happy thing, but if we're not, if it, it's used wrongly, you see the, the need for meekness. So we've been blessed with a need. And like so many times, everything in Scripture, it has to line up with Scripture. When Jesus is preaching this message, you can't have one thing without the other. It's a progression. So unless our meekness comes from the realization of our desperation and dependence of God and need of God, that we're spiritually poor and bankrupt, it's just behavior modification. It's just, oh, I'm just self-help. But we don't need self-help. We need salvation. Amen. Like, if we could save ourselves, we would. Um, if it doesn't come from a sorrow and repentance of sin, if I'm just kind of half-hearted, like, oh, whatever, and abusing grace, then meekness will not take its correct root. I have to be repentant of my sin. If I'm truly realizing that I'm desperate for God, then that will naturally happen where I'll move to this place of, God, I'm sorry of my sin. But God doesn't keep us in that place of brokenness. He lifts our head and says, I've forgiven you. <laughs> If you look in the stories of the, of the Gospels, you can see that so many times. Excuse me. There we go. I've got weird-shaped ears, okay? Judge me. Um, but uh, unless it comes from that, it, it's just behavior modification. There's no heart transformation. So, again, meekness is not weakness. Like I stated earlier, it's strength under perfect authority. It's uh, operating in humility and obedience. It's this idea of this proper balance between indifference and anger, of powerful personality, but also humility and control. Uh, so it's right in there. And um, Jesus references Psalm 37 pretty much verbatim in Matthew 5 5. So we're going to look back to Psalm 37. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, and we're going to spend the majority of our time there this morning. But Psalm 37 is referred to as the wisdom psalm. Um, it was written by King David, who, if you don't know, was the second king in Israel's history. And he's an old man at this time, and he's writing. 
Uh, and there's a beautiful portrait of meekness found there. So we're going to look at what, um, what is the portrait of meekness. So let's read this together in Psalm 37. If you're still turning there, you can turn to your neighbor and say, hurry up. If you're there already, you can turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm there. Okay? It's okay to talk. But this is what it says. It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out his evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only leads to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. This is what Jesus is asking and telling his disciples. The really, the Beatitudes are the characteristics of kingdom-minded disciples. That's what he's wanting to bring out here. So what is the portrait of the meek? What produces meekness? So um, if you're taking notes, you can write down that you've been blessed with the strength. You've been blessed with the strength. So the first thing, there's four things that describe the meek in Psalm 37. The first one is that they trust in God. We find that right off the bat. They trust in God. They trust in God. Biblical meekness is rooted in confidence, not coincidence. It's rooted in confidence, not co coincidence. It's um, meek people begin by trusting God. They believe that he will work for them and vindicate them when others oppose them. And so it starts from this place of this confidence that God is for me. God is for me. I think that's where we need to start. That's where we need to start our day because it says that the enemy is, is making accusations against us day and night, but Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father defending us. We have a great defense attorney. He's not skeezy. He's not better call Saul. He's like great, okay? Like we have a great defender in Jesus. And so we have to come to this place and start at this place that God is for us. God is for us. And so they start by trusting God. The second thing they do is they commit their way to God. They commit their way to God. Meekness moves us from a place of worry into worship. The word in Hebrew of commit literally means to roll, to roll. To commit myself to the Lord means to roll. So I'm rolling all my worries, my anxieties, my doubts, my finances, my relationships. I'm putting them on him. You see, when we're freaking out about stuff, it's all right here. One of my mentors, he said to me, he's like, Jeff, always lead with an open hand. If you're always clutched onto stuff, God can't take anything out, but he also can't place anything new in your hands. 
So when we're clenched on for fear, anxiety, or finances, relationships, God, I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do uh, about this situation or, or that. God can't take that out of our hands when it's in our control. So we have to let that roll onto him. It's amazing in Matthew 11, the character of meekness comes out in Jesus. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The Savior of the universe walked in meekness. You would think he had all the authority to just do whatever he wanted to do, but he walked in meekness. He set the example for us. I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meekness moves us from a place of worry and anxiety to a place of worship. Because our hands are empty. When we've given and committed everything we are, everything we have going on, our hopes, fears, and dreams onto the yoke of Christ, it frees us to have our hands where we can worship God. Amen. When we don't know what to do, Worship God. Worship God. That's, that's just an amazing thing. Um, the third thing is that they are quiet before God and they wait for him. They are quiet before God and they wait for him. According to verse 7, meek people wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Meekness produces patience for the promise that God will act. He will vindicate the righteous. He won't leave us. But it's hard to wait, Right? Anyone with me struggle with patience? Maybe you head to a local Fred Myers on a Tuesday when it happens to be a certain Tuesday and there's a lot of sales. I don't know about you, but I pull into the parking lot and immediately my blood pressure and anxiety goes up. I'm like, it's senior Tuesday. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> and then you're going down the aisles and anyone else get cart rage, you know, where like two people are kind of taking the whole aisle up, and they're kind of just browsing and perusing. They're like, hmm, Campbell chicken noodle soup, that looks good. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to get to the sour cream. Can you just, like, move? And you just want to, like, cut them off. And oh, it's, it's brutal. Patience is hard. <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm just going to be nice. Hurry up, you know. <laughs> and you just want to ram your cart into them ever so gently, you know, not to maim, but just to be like, move. Um, or maybe you have, my daughter is very impatient when it comes to eating food. When she sees the bottle, she wants it at that very second. Doesn't want to wait. And when I'm trying to move it to where I can situate her to where I can feed her correctly, she like freaks out. Like I'll set the bottle there and she's like, ah, 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 ah. I'm like, Laney, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to get that. Ah, ah, ah. And it, it's bad. You know, patience is there. Um, working with students, this happens every single youth trip I go to. I can just bet money on it. I don't, okay, I don't gamble. But um, we'll be eating dinner, and I'll have a student come up to me, and they'll be like, so, what are we going to have for breakfast? <laughs> like, we're eating dinner right now. But, yeah, I just, where are we going to go for breakfast? What are we going to have for breakfast? And like, we're eating dinner. Why, why, why do we even know that? And so learning patience to wait is, is hard for all of us, no matter where we are in life. If we're young, we're old, we all need patience. We all need patience. 
God uses Senior Tuesdays, amen, uh, for me. <laughs> Meekness produces the patience for the promise that God, God hasn't forgotten you. His timing is perfect. And so I'm going to wait patiently. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to submit myself to the perfect control and authority of God. And that's what walking in meekness. It's not weakness. It's power under perfect control. Power under perfect control. It doesn't mean that I'm lazy as I wait for God. I'm doing everything that I can. Um, A friend of mine said that I need to pray as if it depends on God and work as if it depends on me. I need to be using the gifts that God's given me because I think sometimes we kind of pray too much when we should be acting. We need to stop praying about some things. God, should I love my neighbor? Should I ask my neighbor to church? Yeah, that's kind of in there a little bit. You know, I think we pray about some things that really are pretty out there, like non-negotiables. But we sit there and pray like, God, I don't know if I should do this. Like, you should do that. Just stop praying and act. So it doesn't mean that we're lazy as we wait on God. It means I'm free of frenzy. I'm not like... Um, hectically bulldozing everything around me, trying to just control this on my own strength. It means I'm waiting for God's voice and direction, but if he's already said it, I need to be obedient and do that, amen? So the fourth thing of the portrait of the meek is they don't fret over the wicked. They don't fret over the wicked. We're, We're pretty guilty of this. We police our culture. We police people that don't know Jesus, and we worry about them when I need to be worrying about my walk. It doesn't mean I don't speak for righteousness and speak truth, because meekness calls you to respond in truth and grace, not fear and anger and condemnation. My friend Jerry Mullins, who's a missionary, he said this. He said, hate is a very big, very hungry thing with lots of sharp teeth that will eat up your whole heart and leave no room for love. Hate is a very big, very hungry thing with lots of sharp teeth that will eat up your whole heart and leave no room for love. We don't fret over the wicked. Psalm 37, the first half of it, can often be said to be, what do I do when the bad guys win? It's really that story. David's writing about what do I do when the bad guys win? I'm being chased by my son who wants to kill me. What do I do when the bad guys win? What do I do when the Cleveland Cavaliers win the NBA Finals? What do I do when the Raiders win a Super Bowl? Oh, wait, that's never going to happen, Walt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But what do I do when the bad guys win? How do I handle that? Am I jealous of their success or am I trusting my God for his supply? It's, it's amazing that the word fret is mentioned three times in this passage. Don't fret over the wicked. Don't fret over the man that's successful. Don't fret over yourself. Three different types of threat, that fretting. There's over the wicked. But, but God, look at them. They're successful and they're not even doing anything. That, they're not following you. Like, but God, but God, but God, but God. Then there's the man that's successful. I want to be successful like him in the church. When I look at my brother or sister and God's blessing them, I fret, well, God, when, when, when's my turn? When's my turn? When, when, when? Then there's the fret over myself. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Ah, I'm fretting, fretting. God says, don't fret. Three times, three times. And it's amazing that the word, the Hebrew word for fret is to burn. It's literally, actually, it's not to burn because Hebrew language, they don't just translate into nice one-word things. They're like sentences. 
It's like, this word means la da 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 No, it literally means to start a slow burn. That's what the word fret in Hebrew that's used in this passage means. And what's amazing, I like to study history. Um, any history buffs in the house? Yeah, awesome, you're my people. Um, science is okay too, but math is for the birds. No, um, <laughs> but... Uh, it's interesting when studying the tactics of different militaries. And the Romans were incredible in, in their strategies and in their techniques. And even today, some of our military still studies some of the things of the Romans. And their war horses were incredible. It was said that you could light a fire underneath the horse and it wouldn't move until commanded to do so. It's incredible discipline, right? In the same way, we're called to stay the course and be disciplined, be under control, be under power. So when, when things are flaring up, when fires are flaring up that cause me to want to start to fret, they're successful. God's saying, stay the course, be faithful, stay where I've put you. When I see my friend, and, and, and can I just say we need to learn to celebrate the victories in church. We need to stop being jealous and like, when's my turn? But we just need to celebrate that God is blessing people. Amen? Like, Regardless of denomination, regardless of like whatever, like it's his church. So let's celebrate the church. Let's celebrate people, okay? Look for excuses to celebrate people. It's good, okay? It drives out all insecurity. It's awesome when I can like champion people on. So side note, that was free. But when that pops up, I need to stay the course and be steady. I need to not move just because there's a fire here. When there's insecurities that flare up in myself and I want to fret about my surroundings and my finances, I need to stay the course and be like, God, I'm still trusting you. I'm still being obedient. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to be steady and stand firm. So those four things, we, we have to start to be meek. We have to start by trusting God. It's not coincidence, it's confidence. It's not, oh, it might work out or I'm, oh, I guess I got lucky. No, you were blessed, okay? Like, it's not this like, material prosperity it's this spiritual prosperity that we are blessed with the peace of god so we need to start by trusting god we need to commit ourselves to god we need to roll all of our cares our anxieties onto him his hands are big enough okay my hands are not my shoulders are not to carry the troubles of the world i need to be trusting god i need to be reliant on god without that i will crumble and cripple i need to be quiet before God and wait for him. I think we live in a loud culture, so the word quiet is scary for us. It's terrifying. Like, quiet? Like, when my daughter's playing, the, the scariest time is when it's super quiet. I'm like, it's too quiet. What is she into? You know, I mean, when I can't see her. But we need to be quiet and wait for God, and we need to not be afraid to get quiet before the Lord. You have to find time. If this is the only time that you're getting before the Lord, that's not good, okay? A, a bowl of Skittles to a starving person looks like a feast, okay? So we need to learn to, to eat on, on our own, to be in the word of God, to be spending time with Jesus, being quiet before him and hearing his voice because he wants to speak to you personally. This is a celebration. We're celebrating what God is doing as a church, as a community, and so this is a celebration time. Yes, we're going in this direction, and so I believe there's good teaching here, but if we're not doing it on our own and individually, we're missing out. So we need to get quiet before the Lord because that's where control and authority happens when God disciplines his children and disciplines the ones that he loves. 
I was so thankful this week in my God time that so many times God was just like zinging me. It was hurting. I was like, ouch, okay. In my private time, I was like, oh, ow, okay, 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 I get it, I get it. But I was so thankful that God spoke and convicted me. It's amazing that when we're under right authority, conviction isn't burdensome. It's a blessing. Like, God, thank you so much for correcting me. Thank you so much. I, 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 I'm just thankful for that. So we need to get quiet before the Lord and wait for him to walk in meekness. And, and the other thing we need to do is we stop fretting. Stop starting the slow burn. Stop freaking out. Trust God, okay? Trust God. So it says in, in Matthew 5, 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Number three this morning, that you, you've been blessed with an inheritance. You've been blessed with an inheritance. Again, this isn't a material prosperity. It's a spiritual prosperity. You've been blessed with the peace to know that when it's not okay, when everything in the world is shaky, God has you. When everything doesn't make sense, he's there. Again, my inheritance is not based on my strength. It's based on my surrender. My inheritance isn't based on my strength. It's based on my surrender. In Psalm 37, 22, this is what David writes. He said, For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he may fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and I am now old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. When we walk in biblical meekness, God will shape our hearts. God will shape our hearts to desire the things that he desires. It's an inward transformation. That's why if this is done out of balance where it's just I want to modify my behavior, it's not going to work. This is only possible when, when we encounter Jesus personally and are transformed by his love and his grace. When I admit that I'm spiritually bankrupt. God, I need you. When I'm sorrowful and repentant over my sin, God, I need your healing and your forgiveness. Then God transforms our heart. He transforms our heart. Authority isn't burdensome. It's a blessing. God will shape our hearts to do, to desire the right things. And again, it transcends just this material prosperity. It's the prosperity of the heart. It's the peace of God that he will establish you. You know, God always uses obedience to reveal identity. God always uses obedience to reveal identity. And, and when we're obedient to him, when we're under that perfect control, it's amazing what skills and power and strengths will rise to the top as he draws us out and leads us. Um, so the other thing, though, is that we've been blessed with this inheritance to be a blessing. Did you notice that, that I have been young and I have been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread? He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. 
We're called to be a blessing to this world. We're called to be these ambassadors of hope and restoration to a world that needs it. Later in the passage, I don't want to get too far ahead, Pastor, but spoiler alert, in Matthew chapter 5, he calls us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's what we're called to be, church, that as we walk through these characteristics of kingdom citizens, when, when we walk in meekness, we become the salt of the earth. We become the different thing. The world is pretty bland. It's the same, right? Everyone, it tastes like chicken, okay? It tastes like chicken. It tastes like chicken, okay? Like, we need flavor in the world. We need something different in the world. And as Christians, that's what we become when we're under the authority of God. We become the flavor and the seasoning of our world. We become the light and the darkness, amen? So that's why this is important. We've been blessed with an inheritance, an inheritance that's not based on my strength, but it's based on my surrender. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said, a man's power isn't based on his strength, it's based on his surrender. Who are you surrendering to? Because we're all surrendering to something, success, sexuality, money, anger, emotions, whatever, you name it. Who are you surrendering to? Because that is the measure of a man's power, his surrender. And I don't know about you, but I just want to surrender to God. So can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe you're in this place and you're, you're just in the midst of it. You're, you're kind of like my, my first car where you've been driving your life so hard with your own power and strength and you've lost control and you've ravined into the wall and your hopes and your dreams are dashed. This morning, God is here. He's been here. Not just in this place, but he's been following you around. And he wants to encounter you with his healing, with his hope, but it starts with saying, God, I need you. I've, I've lost control. I've been walking in arrogance. I've been walking in the strength of my own agenda. And I've, I've, I've wrecked it. But God is here. And God wants to meet you. So if, if you're in that place right now, or you just really need to encounter God where you're at, can you just slip a hand up and, and then put it right back down? Cool. All right. Jesus, I just pray right now. I thank you so much for the hands that came up, God. I thank you so much that there are people in this place that are gonna walk out different than the way that they came in because your grace is encountering them, God. Your hope is encountering them. Your healing is encountering them, God. I pray that you would give them wisdom where they're at in the situations that they're walking through. God, I pray that the peace that only you can produce will come upon their lives right now as they surrender to you, as they say, God, I'm giving my control up. I'm surrendering to you. Take who I am, God, and use it. 